introduction to memories of childhood's slavery days by annie l burton published 1909 this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by michelle fry memories of childhood's slavery days by annie l burton chapter 1 Recollections of a Happy Life The memory of my happy, carefree childhood days on the plantation with my little white and black companions is often with me. Neither master nor mistress nor neighbors had time to bestow a thought upon us, for the great civil war was raging. That great event in American history was a matter wholly outside the realm of our childish interests of course we heard our elders discuss the various events of the great struggle but it meant nothing to us on the plantation there were ten white children and fourteen colored children our days were spent roaming about from plantation to plantation not knowing or caring what things were going on in the great world outside our little realm planting time and harvest time were happy days for us how often at the harvest time the planters discovered corn stalks missing from the ends of the rows and blame the crows we were called the little fairy devils to the sweet potatoes and peanuts and sugar-cane we also helped ourselves those slaves that were not married served the food from the great house and about half past eleven they would send the older children with food to the workers in the field of course i followed and before we got to the fields we had eaten the food nearly all up when the workers returned home they complained and we were whipped the slaves got their allowance every monday night of molasses meat cornmeal and the kind of flour called dredgings or shorts perhaps this allowance would be gone before the next monday night in which case the slaves would steal hogs and chickens then would come the whipping post master himself never whipped his slaves this was left to the overseer we children had no supper and only a little piece of bread or something of the kind in the morning our dishes consisted of one wooden bowl and oyster shells were our spoons this bowl served for about fifteen children and often the dogs and the ducks and the peafowl had a dip in it sometimes we had buttermilk and bread in our bowl sometimes greens or bones our clothes were little homespun cotton slips with short sleeves i never knew what shoes were until i got big enough to earn them myself if a slave man or woman wished to marry a party would be arranged some saturday night among the slaves the marriage ceremony consisted of a pair jumping over a stick if no children were born within a year or so the wife was sold at new year's if there was any debt or mortgage on the plantation the extra slaves were taken to clayton and sold at the courthouse in this way families were separated when they were getting recruits for the war we were allowed to go to clayton to see the soldiers i remember at the beginning of the war two colored men were hung in clayton one caesar king for killing a bloodhound and biting off an overseer's ear the other dabney madison for the murder of his master dabney madison's master was really shot by a man named houston who was infatuated with madison's mistress and who had hired madison to make the bullets for him houston escaped after the deed and the blame fell on dabney madison as he was the only slave of his master and mistress the clothes of the two victims were hung on two pine trees and no colored person would touch them since i have grown up i have seen the skeleton of one of these men in the office of a doctor in clayton after the men were hung the bones were put in an old deserted house 
somebody that cared for the bones used to put them in the sun in bright weather and back in the house when it rained finally the bones disappeared although the boxes that had contained them still remained at one time when they were building barns on the plantation one of the big boys got a little brandy and gave us children all a drink enough to make us drunk four doctors were sent for but nobody could tell what was the matter with us except they thought we had eaten something poisonous they wanted to give us some castor oil but we refused to take it because we thought that the oil was made from the bones of the dead men we had seen finally we were told about the big white boy giving us the brandy and the mystery was cleared up young as i was then i remember this conversation between master and mistress on master's return from the gate one day when he had received the latest news william what is the news from the seat of war a great battle was fought at bull run and the confederates won he replied oh good good said mistress and what did jeff davis say look out for the blockade i do not know what the end may be soon he answered what does jeff davis mean by that she asked sarah ann i don't know unless he means that the niggers will all be free oh my god what shall we do i presume he said we shall have to put our boys to work and hire help but she said what will the niggers do if they are free why they will starve if we don't keep them oh well he said let them wander if they will not stay with their owners i don't doubt that many owners have been good to their slaves and they would rather remain with their owners than wander about without home or country my mistress often told me that my father was a planter who owned a plantation about two miles from ours he was a white man born in liverpool england he died in louisville alabama in the year eighteen seventy five i will venture to say that i only saw my father a dozen times when i was about four years old and those times i saw him only from a distance as he was driving by the great house of our plantation whenever my mistress saw him going by she would take me by the hand and run out upon the piazza and exclaim stop there i say don't you want to see and speak to and caress your darling child she often speaks of you and wants to embrace her dear father see what a bright and beautiful daughter she is a perfect picture of yourself well i declare you are an affectionate father i well remember that whenever my mistress would speak thus and upbraid him he would whip up his horse and get out of sight and hearing as quickly as possible my mistress's action was of course intended to humble and shame my father i never spoke to him and cannot remember that he ever noticed me or in any way acknowledged me as his child my mother and my mistress were children together and grew up to be mothers together my mother was the cook in my mistress's household one morning when master had gone to euphalia my mother and my mistress got into an argument the consequence of which was that my mother was whipped for the first time in her life whereupon my mother refused to do any more work and ran away from the plantation for three years we did not see her again our plantation was one of several thousand acres comprising large level fields upland and considerable forests of the southern pine cotton corn sweet potatoes sugar-cane wheat and rye were the principal crops raised on our plantation it was situated near the p river and about twenty-three miles from clayton alabama one day my master heard that the yankees were coming our way and he immediately made preparations to get his goods and valuables out of their reach the big six-mule team was brought to the smokehouse door and loaded with hams and provisions after being loaded the team was put in the care of two of the most trustworthy and valuable slaves that my master owned and driven away 
it was master's intention to have these things taken to the swamp and there concealed in a pit that had recently been made for the purpose but just before the team left the main road for the by-road that led to the swamp the two slaves were surprised by the yankees who at once took possession of the provisions and started the team toward clayton where the yankees had headquarters the road to clayton ran past our plantation one of the slave girls happened to look up the road and saw the yankees coming and gave warning whereupon my master left unceremoniously for the woods and remained concealed there for five days the niggers had run away whenever they got a chance but now it was masters and the other white folks turned to run the yankees rode up to the piazza of the great house and inquired who owned the plantation they gave orders that nothing must be touched or taken away as they intended to return shortly and take possession my mistress and the slaves watched for their return day and night for more than a week but the yankees did not come back one morning in april eighteen sixty five my master got the news that the yankees had left mobile bay and crossed the confederate lines and that the emancipation proclamation had been signed by president lincoln mistress suggested that the slaves should not be told of their freedom but master said he would tell them because they would soon find it out even if he did not tell them mistress however said she could keep my mother's three children for my mother had now been gone so long all the slaves left the plantation upon the news of their freedom except those who were feeble or sickly with the help of these the crops were gathered my mistress and her daughters had to go to the kitchen and to the wash tub my little half-brother henry and myself had to gather chips and help all we could my sister caroline who was twelve years old could help in the kitchen after the war the yankees took all the good mules and horses from the plantation and left their old army stock we children chanced to come across one of the yankees old horses that had a u s branded on him we called him old yank and got him fattened up one day in august six of us children took old yank and went away back on the plantation for watermelons coming home we thought we would make the old horse trot when old yank commenced to trot our big melons dropped off but we couldn't stop the horse for some time finally one of the big boys went back and got some more melons and left us eating what we could find of the ones that had been dropped then all we six with our melons got on old yank and went home we also used to hitch old yank into the wagon and get wood but one sad day in the fall the yankees came back again and gathered up their old stock and took old yank away one day mistress sent me out to do some churning under a tree i went to sleep and jerked the churn over on top of me and consequently got a whipping my mother came for us at the end of the year eighteen sixty five and demanded that her children be given up to her this mistress refused to do and threatened to set the dogs on my mother if she did not at once leave the place my mother went away and remained with some of the neighbors until supper time then she got a boy to tell caroline to come down to the fence when she came my mother told her to go back and get henry and myself and bring us down to the gap in the fence as quick as she could then my mother took henry in her arms and my sister carried me on her back we climbed fences and crossed fields and after several hours came to a little hut which my mother had secured on a plantation we had no more than reached the place and made a little fire when master's two sons rode up and demanded that the children be returned my mother refused to give us up upon her offering to go with them to the yankee headquarters to find out if it were really true that all the negroes had been made free the young men left and troubled us no more the cabin that was now our home was made of logs 
it had one door and an opening in one wall with an inside shutter was the only window the door was fastened with a latch our beds were some straw there were six in our little family my mother caroline henry two other children that my mother had brought with her upon her return and myself the man on whose plantation this cabin stood hired my mother as cook and gave us this little home we children used to sell blueberries and plums that we picked one day a man on whom we depended for our home and support left then my mother did washing by the day for whatever she could get we were sent to get cold victuals from hotels and such places a man wanting hands to pick cotton my brother henry and i were set to help in this work we had to go to the cotton field very early every morning for this work we received forty cents for every hundred pounds of cotton we picked caroline was hired out to take care of a baby in eighteen sixty six another man hired the plantation on which our hut stood and we moved into clayton to a little house my mother secured there a rich lady came to our house one day looking for someone to take care of her little daughter i was taken and adopted into this family this rich lady was mrs e m williams a music teacher the wife of a lawyer we called her ms mary some rich people in clayton who had owned slaves opened the methodist church on sundays and began the work of teaching the negroes my new mistress sent me to sunday school every sunday morning and i soon got so i could read miss mary taught me every day at her knee i soon could read nicely and went through sterling's second reader and then into mcguthrie's third reader the first piece of poetry i recited in sunday school was taught to me by miss mary during the week miss mary's father-in-law an ex-judge of clayton alabama heard me recite it and thought it was wonderful it was this i am glad to see you little bird it was your sweet song i heard what was it i heard you say give me crumbs to eat today here are crumbs i brought for you eat your dinner eat away come and see us every day after this miss mary kept on with my studies and taught me to write as i grew older she taught me to cook and how to do housework during this time miss mary had given my mother one dollar a month in return for my services now as i grew up to young womanhood i thought i would like a little money of my own accordingly miss mary began to pay me four dollars a month besides giving me my board and clothes for two summers she let me out while she was away and i got five dollars a month while i was with miss mary i had my first sweetheart one of the young fellows who attended sunday school with me miss mary however objected to the young man's coming to the house to call because she did not think i was old enough to have a sweetheart i owe a great deal to miss mary for her good training of me in honesty uprightness and truthfulness she told me that when i went out into the world all white folks would not treat me as she had but that i must not feel bad about it but just do what i was employed to do and if i wasn't satisfied to go elsewhere but always to carry an honest name one sunday when my sweetheart walked to the gate with me miss mary met me and told him she thought i was too young for him and that she was sending me to sunday school to learn not to catch a bow it was a long while before he could see me again not until later in the season in watermelon time when miss mary and my mother gave me permission to go to a watermelon party one sunday afternoon miss mary did not know however that my sweetheart had planned to escort me we met around the corner of the house and after the party he left me at the same place after that i saw him occasionally at barbecues and parties 
i was permitted to go with him some evenings to church but my mother always walked ahead or behind me and the young man we went together for four years during that time although i still call miss mary's my home i had been out to service in one or two families finally my mother and miss mary consented to our marriage and the wedding day was to be in may the winter before that may i went to service in the family of dr drury in euphalia just a week before i left clayton i dreamed that my sweetheart died suddenly the night before i was to leave we were invited out to tea he told me he had bought a nice piece of poplar wood with which to make a table for our new home when i told him my dream he said don't let that trouble you there is nothing in dreams but one month from that day he died and his coffin was made from the piece of poplar wood he had bought for the table after his death i remained in clayton for two or three weeks with my people and then went back to euphalia where i stayed two years my sweetheart's death made a profound impression on me and i began to pray as best i could often i remained all night on my knees going on an excursion to macon georgia one time i liked the place so well that i did not go back to euphalia i got a place as cook in the family of an episcopal clergyman and remained with them eight years leaving when the family moved to new orleans during these eight years my mother died in clayton and i had to take the three smallest children into my care my oldest sister was now married and had a son i now went to live with mrs maria campbell a colored woman who adopted me and gave me her name mrs campbell did washing and ironing for her living while living with her i went six months to lewis high school in macon then i went to atlanta and obtained a place as a first-class cook with mr e n inman but i always considered mrs campbell's my home i remained about a year with mr inman and received as wages ten dollars a month one day when the family were visiting in memphis i chanced to pick up a newspaper and read the advertisement of a northern family for a cook to go to boston i went at once to the address given and made agreement to take the place but told the people that i could not leave my present position until mr inman returned home mr and mrs inman did not want to let me go but i made up my mind to go north the northern family whose service i was to enter had returned to boston before i left and had made arrangements with a friend mr bullock to see me safely started north after deciding to go north i went to macon to make arrangements with mrs campbell for the care of my two sisters who lived with her one sister was now about thirteen and the other fifteen both old enough to do a little for themselves my brother was dead he went to brunswick in eighteen seventy five and died there of the yellow fever in eighteen seventy six one sister i brought in later years to boston i stayed in macon two weeks and was in atlanta three or four days before leaving for the north about the fifteenth of june eighteen seventy nine i arrived at the old colony station in boston and had my first glimpse of the country i had heard so much about from boston i went to newtonville where i was to work the gentleman whose service i was to enter mr e n kimball was waiting at the station for me and drove me to his home on warner street for a few days until i got somewhat adjusted to my new circumstances i had no work to do on june seventeenth the family took me with them to auburndale but in spite of the kindness of mrs kimball and the colored nurse i grew very homesick for the south and would often look in the direction of my old home and cry 
the washing a kind of work i knew nothing about was given to me but i could not do it and it was finally given over to a hired woman i had to do the ironing of the fancy clothing for mrs kimball and the children about five or six weeks after my arrival mrs kimball and the children went to the white mountains for the summer and i had more leisure mr kimball went up to the mountains every saturday night to stay with his family over sunday but he and his father-in-law were at home other nights and i had to have dinner for them to keep away the homesickness and the loneliness as much as possible i made acquaintance with the hired girl across the street one morning i climbed up into the cherry tree that grew between mr kimball's yard and the yard of his next-door neighbor mr roberts i was thinking of the south and as i picked the cherries i sang a southern song mr roberts heard me and gave me a dollar for the song by agreement mrs kimball was to give me three dollars and a half a week instead of four until the difference amounted to my fare from the south after that i was to have four dollars i had however received but little money in the fall after the family came home we had a little difficulty about my wages and i left and came into boston one of my making acquaintances had come north before me and now had a position as cook in the house on columbus avenue i looked this girl up then i went to a lodging house for colored people on kendall street and spent one night there mrs kendall had refused to give me a recommendation because she wanted me to stay with her and thought the lack of a recommendation would be an inducement in the lodging house i made acquaintance with the colored girl who took me to an intelligence office the man at the desk said he would give me a card to take to twenty four springfield street on receipt of fifty cents i had never heard of an office of this kind and asked a good many questions after being assured that my money would be returned in case i did not accept the situation i paid the fifty cents and started to find the address on the card being ignorant of the scheme of street numbering i inquired of a woman whom i met where number twenty four was this woman asked me if i was looking for work and when i told her i was she said a friend of hers on springfield street wanted a servant immediately of course i went with this lady and after a conference with the mistress of the house as to my ability when i could begin work what wages i should want etc i was engaged as cook at three dollars and a half a week from this place i proceeded to twenty four springfield street as directed hoping that i would be refused so that i might go back to the intelligence office and get my fifty cents the lady at number twenty four who wanted a servant said she didn't think i was large and strong enough and guessed i wouldn't do then i went and got my fifty cents having now obtained a situation i sent to mr kimball for my trunk i remained in my new place a year and a half at the end of that time the family moved to dorchester and because i did not care to go out there i left their service from this place i went to narragansett pier to work as a chambermaid for the summer in the fall i came back to boston and obtained a situation with a family in berwick park this family afterward moved to jamaica plain and i went with them with this family i remained seven years they were very kind to me gave me two or three weeks vacation without loss of pay in june eighteen eighty four i went with them to their summer home in the isles of shoals as housekeeper for some guests who were coming from paris on the sixth of july i received word that my sister caroline had died in june this was a great blow to me i remained with the reeds until they closed their summer home but i was not able to do much work after the news of my sister's death 
i wrote home to georgia to the white people who owned the house in which caroline had lived asking them to take care of her boy lawrence until i should come in october when we came back to jamaica plain in the fall i was asked to decide what i should do in regard to this boy mrs reed wanted me to stay with her and promised to help pay for the care of the boy in georgia of course she said i could not expect to find positions if i had a child with me as an inducement to remain in my present place and leave the boy in georgia i was promised provision for my future days as long as i should live it did not take me long to decide what i should do the last time i had seen my sister a little over a year before she died she had said when i was leaving i don't expect ever to see you again but if i die i shall rest peacefully in my grave because i know you will take care of my child i left jamaica plain and took a room on village street for the two or three weeks until my departure for the south during this time a lady came to the house to hire a girl for her home in wellesley hills the girl who was offered the place would not go i volunteered to accept the position temporarily and went at once to the beautiful farm at the end of a week a man and his wife had been engaged and i was to leave the day after their arrival these new servants however spoke very little english and i had to stay through the next week until the new ones were broken in after leaving there i started for georgia reaching there at the end of five days at five o'clock i took a carriage and drove at once to the house where lawrence was being taken care of he was playing in the yard and when he saw me leave the carriage he ran and threw his arms around my neck and cried for joy i stayed a week in this house looking after such things of my sisters as had not been already stored one day i had a headache and was lying down in the cook's room lawrence was in the dining room with the cook's little girl and the two got into a quarrel in the course of which my nephew struck the cook's child the cook in her anger chased the boy with a broom and threatened to give him a good whipping at all costs hearing the noise i came out into the yard and when lawrence saw me he ran to me for protection i interceded for him and promised he should get into no more trouble we went at once to a neighbor's house for the night the next day i got a room in the yard of a house belonging to some white people here we stayed two weeks the only return i was asked to make for the room was to weed the garden lawrence and i dug out some weeds and burned them but came so near setting fire to the place that we were told we need not dig any more weeds but that we might have the use of the room so long as we cared to stay in about a week and a half more we got together such things as we wanted to keep and take away with us the last time i saw my sister i had persuaded her to open a bank account and she had done so and had made small deposits from time to time when i came to look for the bank book i discovered that her lodger one mayfield had taken it at her death and nobody knew where it might be now i found out that mayfield had drawn thirty dollars from the account for my sister's burial and also an unknown amount for himself he had done nothing for the boy i went down to the bank and was told that mr mayfield claimed to look after my sister's burial and her affairs he had made one reuben bennett who was no relation and had no interest in the matter administrator for lawrence until his coming of age but bennett had as yet done nothing for him the book was in the bank with some of the accounts still undrawn how much i did not know i next went to see a lawyer to find out how much it would cost me to get this book the lawyer said fifteen dollars i said i would call again in the meantime i went to the courthouse and when the case on trial was adjourned i went to the judge and stated my case 
the judge who was slightly acquainted with my sister and me told me to have reuben bennett in court next morning at nine o'clock and to bring lawrence with me when we had all assembled before the judge he told bennett to take lawrence and go to the bank and get the money belonging to my sister bennett went and collected the money some thirty-five dollars the boy was then given into my care by the judge for his kindness the judge would accept no return happy at having obtained the money so easily we went back to our room and rested until our departure the next night for jacksonville florida i had decided to go to this place for the winter on account of lawrence thinking the northern winter would be too severe for him my youngest sister who had come to macon from atlanta a few days before my arrival did not hear of caroline's death until within a few days of our departure this youngest sister decided to go to florida with us for the winter our trunks and baggage were taken to the station in a team we had a goodly supply of food given us by our friends and by the people whose hospitality we had shared during the latter part of our stay the next morning we got into jacksonville my idea was to get a place as chambermaid at green cove springs florida through the influence of the head waiter at the hotel there whom i knew after i got into jacksonville i changed my plans i did not see how i could move my things any farther and we went to a hotel for colored people hired a room for two dollars and boarded ourselves on the food which had been given us in macon this food lasted about two weeks then i had to buy and my money was going every day and none coming in i did not know what to do one night the idea of keeping a restaurant came to me and i decided to get a little home for the three of us and then see what i could do in this line of business after a long and hard search i found a little house of two rooms where we could live and the next day i found a place to start my restaurant for house furnishings we used at first to the best advantage we could the things we had brought from macon caroline's cook stove had been left with my foster mother in macon after hiring the room for the restaurant i sent for this stove and it arrived in a few days then i went to a dealer in second-hand furniture and got such things as were actually needed for the house and the restaurant on the condition that he would take them back at a discount when i got through with them trade at the restaurant was very good and we got along nicely my sister got a position as nurse for fifteen dollars a month one day the cook from a shipwrecked vessel came to my restaurant and in return for his board and a bed in the place agreed to do my cooking after trade became good i changed my residence to a house of four rooms and put three cheap cots in each of two of the rooms and let the cots at a dollar a week apiece to colored men who worked nearby in hotels lawrence and i did the chamber work at night after the day's work in the restaurant i introduced boston baked beans into my restaurant much to the amusement of the people at first but after they had once eaten them it was hard to meet the demand for beans lawrence who was now about eleven years old was a great help to me he took out dinners to the cigar makers in a factory nearby at the end of the season about four months it had grown so hot that we could stay in jacksonville no longer from my restaurant and my lodgers i cleared one hundred and seventy-five dollars which i put into the jacksonville bank then i took the furniture back to the dealer who fulfilled his agreement my sister decided to go back to atlanta when she got through with her place as nurse which would not be for some weeks i took seventy-five dollars out of my bank account and with lawrence went to fernandina there we took train to port royal south carolina then steamer to new york 
from new york we went to brooklyn for a few days then we went to newport and stayed with a woman who kept a lodging house i decided to see what i could do in newport by keeping a boarding and lodging house i hired a little house and agreed to pay nine dollars a month for it i left lawrence with some neighbors while i came to boston and took some things out of storage these things i moved into the little house but i found after paying one month's rent that the house was not properly located for the business i wanted i left and with lawrence went to narragatsett pier i got a place there as runner for the laundry that is i was to go to the hotels and leave cards and solicit trade then lawrence thought he would like to help by doing a little work one night when i came back from the laundry i missed him nobody had seen him all night i searched for him but did not find him in the early morning i met him coming home he said a man who kept a bowling alley had hired him at fifty cents a week to set up the pins and it was in the bowling alley he had been all night he said the man let him take a nap on his coat when he got sleepy i went at once to see this man and told him not to hire my nephew again a lady who kept a hotel offered me two dollars a week for lawrence's services in helping the cook and serving in the help's dining room when the season closed the lady who hired lawrence was very reluctant to let him go we went back to newport to see the landlady from whom i had hired the house and i paid such part of the rent as i could then i packed my things and started for boston on reaching there i kept such of my things as i needed and stored the rest and took a furnished room in about a week's time i went to see the husband of the lady for whom i had worked at wellesley hills just previous to my departure for the south he had told me to let him know when i returned to boston he said a man and his wife were at present employed at his farm but he didn't know how long they would stay before another week had passed this gentleman sent for me he said his wife wanted me to go out to the farm and that i could have lawrence with me the boy he said could help his wife with the poultry and could have a chance to go to school i was promised three dollars and a half a week and no washing to do i was told that the farm had been offered for sale and of course it might change hands any day i was promised however that i should lose nothing by the change lawrence was very lonely at the farm with no companions and used to sit and cry the place was sold about ten weeks after i went there and i came into boston to look about for a restaurant leaving lawrence at the farm when the home was broken up the owners came to the revere house boston barrels of apples potatoes and other provisions were given to me i found a little restaurant near the providence depot for sale i made arrangements at once to buy the place for thirty-five dollars and the next day i brought lawrence and my things from wellesley hills i paid two dollars a week rent for my little restaurant and did very well the next spring i sold the place for fifty dollars in time to get a place at the beach for the summer lawrence got a position in a drug store and kept it four years then he went to hampton college hampton virginia after finishing there he came back and then went to the world's fair in chicago after that he took a position on one of the fall river line boats at the outbreak of the spanish war he enlisted in brooklyn as powder man on the battleship texas he was on the texas when the first shot was fired he was present at the decoration of the graves of the american soldiers in havana and also at the decoration of the battleship maine after she was raised after the war he came to brooklyn and got an honorable discharge then he served as valet to a rich new york man who traveled a good deal about the middle of last november nineteen o six lawrence came to boston to see me he is now in atlantic city a waiter in the royal hotel 
in 1888 i was married at 27 pemberton street to samuel h burton by dr o p gifford after my marriage mr burton got a place in braintree as valet to an old gentleman who was slightly demented and he could not be satisfied until i joined him so i put our things into storage and went to braintree i remained there ten months and then came back to boston then i got a position as head matron in the helps dining room in a hotel at watch hill rhode island my husband was also there as waiter at the end of the season we both came home and rented a lodging house and lost money on it end of chapter one